Welcome into the Leadership Legacy Podcast, where we interview influential leaders, learn the why, and how they turn their passions into progress that set them on the path to leaving their legacy. Welcome to episode number 21 of the Leadership Legacy Podcast. I'm sitting across the table from Mallory Hagan, who is running for the 3rd Congressional District of Alabama uh, for House Representatives. Uh, Mallory, like just looking at your schedule, looking at everything that y'all are doing in the community, I know you're crazy busy. I really appreciate your time today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Mallory, tell us a little bit about your story. Where did you grow up? Sure. Um, I actually grew up in Opelika. Uh, my parents graduated from Auburn High School in uh, 87 and 88, and then quickly found out that they were going to have a baby. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I grew up uh, in the Auburn Opelika area. Started out in Auburn when I was a kid, and then moved over to Opelika, graduated from Opelika High School in 2007 and um, loved my time here. My family's been here for generations, and so my summers were spent with my great-grandma in Alex City, and um, my other grandma lived in Memphis, so I would go spend time with her as well. But um, yeah, I I grew up here. My mom owned a couple of small businesses. She had a hair salon for a majority of my childhood where she worked during the day, and then she's now going into her 25th year of owning Make Your Move, which is her dance studio, and so, this community has has raised me, the village raised me, if mm-hmm. you will, and uh, it's really good to be given the opportunity to to potentially represent them. Tell us about some of your passions. You know, what's some of the what's some of the things that you like to do in your free time? Well, the good thing is that uh, this campaign allows me to do one of my passions, which is travel. Um, whether it's up and down the district, which has been such a learning experience over the last seven, eight months, um, but also around the country. I mean, the reality is, is that fundraising is incredibly important. And whether we like it or not, you know, whether we think we need campaign finance reform or not, the, the truth is that I have to raise money. And so it's mm-hmm. given me a chance to also travel to some places that I otherwise probably wouldn't be. So travel is one of my main passions. I love to see the world. I've been to several countries. I've been to Africa and France and Germany and Israel and um, I think that in order to understand the world you have to see it and so that's one of my main passions and I love to dance I grew up dancing and although I don't do it as much as I used to it's still very near and dear to my heart and I, I would have to say that my friends are one of my passions it's it's very important to me to have quality friendships and mm-hmm. I do take the time to nurture those too yeah, I think it's important to have those friends around you mm-hmm. especially when you're doing something that is demanding of time and demanding of energy and mm-hmm. to have the, that, that support system around you mm-hmm. uh, just c- kind of helps keep you going. Well, let's talk a little bit about Miss America, mm-hmm. 2013 Miss America. How do you think that experience has, has helped you in, in going around the country and, and talking to different people and, and raising awareness for different causes? How do you think that experience has kind of helped you get you ready for uh, this congressional run? Well, first and foremost, um, the journey to Miss America was 11 years long. So I'm no 
no stranger to perseverance, no stranger to dedication, and no stranger to hard work. And I think all three of those things are things that you need in any congressional race. Mm -hmm. uh, couple that with actually getting the job and having the opportunity to travel the United States and meet people from all over. I've mm -hmm. been in a small town in Alaska. Uh, I've been in LA, you know, I've been to Hawaii. I've been to all of these little pockets of our beautiful country. And what that taught me was that everyone is a lot more similar than they are different. At the end of the day, everyone wants a roof over their head to provide food for their family, for their kids to have a better life than they did, for their education system to not fail them. Like our, 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 whether we are Republican or Democrat or independent or whatever party, um, our wants for ourselves and our families are the same. And I think that that's really helped me find common ground with a lot of people that may just see a D next to my name and not be so willing to have a conversation. Having Miss America in front of that is really helpful. Mm -hmm. People are intrigued by it and then therefore mm -hmm. are open to conversation because of it. And yep. it's really helped in that realm. And then the last thing is, of course, the legislative experience that I got while I was Miss America. Um, I lobbied Capitol Hill with the National Children's Alliance. I was a part of restoring $18 million in funding to our 2014 budget. And um, because of the team that I worked with, our child advocacy centers didn't lose federal funding. And we have more child advocacy centers per capita in the state of Alabama than any other state. So a couple of things that that, that yeah. year and that time frame in my life uh, helped, helped with. And, and I, I take every single one of those lessons with me on a daily basis. There's an incredible movement of women across this country who are standing up for themselves and, and for others' voices who haven't been given the proper respect in a long time. How do you, as a, as a young female running for a congressional seat, make sure that those voices continue to be heard, not only in, higher, not only in the higher levels of government, but also in our community? Well, I think that we have to lead by example, right? That's the first step to, mm -hmm. to women feeling comfortable standing up for themselves, using their voice, getting involved. Uh, they have to see it. And so this election cycle, whether whether people agree with me or not, is is monumental in the forward movement of our country. Um, to see over 400 women running for Congress before the primaries, and um, now many of them made it through their primary, uh, we are we are in a whole different land of women stepping into the to the political realm. And in order for our voices to continue being heard, I think it's very important for many of those women to be elected. Mm -hmm. And not solely because they're women, but you know, studies show, science shows that when our tables are more diverse, we make better decisions, we mm -hmm. make more pragmatic decisions, we make decisions that are better for our families and for kids and for, mm -hmm. I mean, it just, the list goes on. And so um, for all of us to thrive, it's important for there to be diversity at the table and not just gender diversity, but racial diversity and mm -hmm. generational diversity too. Why run now? Discuss the reason behind now. Well, the first thing is that I was asked to run. Um, and you know, there's a saying that says that a woman has to be asked to run seven times to a man's being asked once. Isn't that interesting? And uh, it, it rang true for me too. <laughs> uh, I had several meetings to discuss what this looked like and why, you know, why me, why was I qualified? Uh, because I felt very unworthy when the, when the idea presented itself to me. But I started looking at the numbers, you know, there are four women under 40 in Congress. Um, and millennials make up our largest voter block across the country. Mm -hmm. There are 86 million millennials. And so if you think about that, what well, we've got 43 million millennial women in America, 43 million millennial women and only four in wow. Congress. And so, you know, 
That, that means that we need two things to happen. We need to elect more millennials and millennial women specifically, but we also need more of them to run. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought to myself, even if I don't win, which the plan is to win, but even if I don't, with my following and with the background that I have and the influence that I have over young women specifically, my hope is that even if I don't win, we still win because they get involved in politics. They open up their minds and hearts to running and being a part of their community and using their voice, etc. So the influence is just as much of a win as a win. Yeah, I have three young daughters and it's just... It's impressive to see what your campaign's doing and this movement. Thank you. Uh, because it give, it, it's leaving a legacy, which is what this po- podcast is about. It's leaving a legacy even in your current life to show those young women that, you know what, we can do this. Mm-hmm. There may be four now, but maybe there's four, 40 next, you know, in a, in a few years. Um, it's, it's really impressive, and I'm very appreciative. What drives you? to get up every morning. You know you're gonna have a full schedule. You may have to be in 20 different places. I'm driven by a lot of things. One of them is the belief that I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it may sound really cliche, but you know the, the role of Miss America was one that was so far-fetched when I was a kid. I mean, just looked like something that could never happen. Mm-hmm. And then it did. And it happened, it happened by luck, but mm-hmm. it also happened by a lot of hard work, right? Yeah. All 53 women who stand on stage every year at Miss America have worked very hard. Um, they're all doing amazing things in their community, et cetera, et cetera, right? Everyone who's standing there has worked hard. Um, and then there's the element of there are five people who have a subjective opinion and then therefore decide your future, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but it just, it seems so far-fetched. And I have to admit that, that when, when running for Congress was presented to me, it seemed very far-fetched as well. And then I thought to myself, well, being Miss America seemed really far-fetched and that happened. Uh-huh. You know, um, so, so the, the first drive is that it's not an impossible task. Uh-huh. And then the second drive is that um, I've brought a lot of people into this fold. There's a lot of people who not only want me to win, but are counting on me to win uh-huh. and are counting on me to use every ounce of energy that I have in order to make that happen. Um, and the third is that I have people who are on my payroll and if I don't get up and do my job, then they don't get paid. Mm -hmm. And that's just the nature of campaigns. So, um, you know, that's, that's where my, it's kind of entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, you have a, you basically have a small business running. I basically have a a startup (laughs) where I'm consistently asking people to invest in my startup. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What principles have helped you personally? Um, not, not only in, in, in what you're doing now, but like over your life, what, what are some of the principles that you hold dear to your heart? Um, one of my favorite quotes, and it's been one of my favorites since I was a teenager, is uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And um, I feel eternally blessed for the many people who helped my parents shape me into the person I am today. And mm-hmm. I say many because my parents were teenagers and then they were divorced and then they got remarried and there's just been a lot of seasons in our life and they have counted on numerous other people to make sure that I grew up a happy, healthy, well-adjusted adult, you know? And so um, I believe that I was given these people and these opportunities and that much is required of me, that to rest on my laurels or to be content or complicit is not an option um, because that would be doing a disservice to those people who have poured so much into who I am. and so that's the number one thing that I live by. And the second is that uh, I am 
I believe wholeheartedly in loyalty. I think that, you know, when someone shows you who they are, just believe them. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a really hard lesson for people to learn because I think that we are taught to forgive and forget and forgive and forget. And I'm happy to forgive, but when someone shows you who they are, don't forget it, you know? Yep. So I try very hard to carry those things with me on a daily basis when I make decisions or when I interact with them. I ask everybody on the podcast this question, uh, and, it, and it revolves around the word failure, and not necessarily failure in if you were to lose the race, or, um, but failure in general. When you think of that word, um, what, what does it mean to you, and how do you deal with it? I am not afraid of quote-unquote failure. Um, as I mentioned before, if I win, if I don't win, I'm still winning. Mm -hmm. And I know better than anyone. And I think that much of this is, is my growth that I experienced through the Miss America organization. I mentioned perseverance and dedication. I, you know, some people see it as just a pageant, but it's truly a growth opportunity for young women. It really is. And so I competed. I was third runner up, first runner up, second runner up, mm -hmm. first runner up, first runner up. So, I mean... It's not failure, right? I continued to grow. I continued to learn. But I also know that feeling of the initial sting. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, had I not had all of those experiences, I would have probably never won Miss America, right? So I look at every single quote-unquote failure as, okay, but how did I grow? What did I learn? And how can I apply that to whatever I do next? And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's really important because a, a ton of people I know specifically, and especially young women, are so afraid to put their foot in the front door because they're afraid that they're going to fail. Mm -hmm. And it, failure is an option. It happens. But there's much to be gained from failure, no matter what. And so I, I hope that, that, that people hear that and go, okay, I have, to take a, I have to take a step. I have to have that one leap of courage. What's been the hardest thing so far in, in running the campaign? The hardest thing to me has been to balance, um, to balance who I am in the process. Uh, I'm not the most put together, quote unquote, human being. I like to wear a t-shirt and jeans and no makeup and I hate doing my hair and you know, people, people can't compute that with the fact that I'm running for office and I was Miss America. They're like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, and so it's been, it's been an interesting journey to, I know it sounds superficial, but it is, it's really difficult when you think about it to, to remain true to who who I am at my core mm -hmm. and you know it sounds silly too but to not wear clothes that don't or you know suit me as a person and it's just that part's been kind of difficult and then the other part is obviously fundraising I mean this is one giant beast of endless senseless money spending mm -hmm. uh, campaigns and we've tried very hard to do everything in a way that is frugal in a way that makes sense uh, in a way that's actually going to impact the people that we want to vote Mm -hmm. um, and not just buying commercials for no reason. Yeah. But the reality is that it also, money is a, it's a circular thing. So the more money I have, the more people see this campaign as a serious campaign mm -hmm. and therefore more money I get. And so it's just an endless battle, but, um, it's what I signed up for. So I'm doing yeah. it. <laughs> awesome. Well, what's the, uh, what's the best book you've read recently? Well, the best book I read recently was I've been, I read Gretchen Carlson's be fierce and, um, not, you know, not to keep pulling it back to Miss America, but she is a Miss America. And uh, I do think that her coming forward at Fox and um, 
and taking down Roger Ailes was the start of this tsunami that we're in right now mm -hmm. of women feeling the power of their voice and standing up for themselves. Um, so her, her book is much about that and, and about the women who approached her after she won her lawsuit and um, just some of their stories and, and what we can do as a society to be better and do better. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's a really great book. Well, looking back on your life so far and the experiences that you've had, uh, good and bad, um, if you were to write a book about yourself, uh, what would that title be? It's funny you should mention that. <laughs> I might, may or may not be working on a book about myself. Okay. Um, it, a book about me would be sort of the through line of having the courage to, to take a risk, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, I grew up in a small town, and as you and I both know, the, the, the path is very similar for a lot of people, and then it repeats itself. And um, I didn't, not that there's anything wrong with it, I just, that's not what I saw for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to New York with no money, no job, no place to live, and uh, didn't have money for school. So I took a risk and got back involved in Miss America, and then that led to moving out to Los Angeles. And every single step in my life has been having the courage to, to just do it mm -hmm. and then see what happens. Um, so that combined with, at the end of the day, there's a lot of odds that have been stacked against me over and over again. Mm -hmm. And yet, somehow or another, I don't always prevail, but I prevail with a good attitude. And that's mm -hmm. really what I counts. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very important for people to understand that, um, like I, I was telling your team earlier, it's all about just stepping out there. It's about asking the question, yes, can, can I do this? Can I not do this? All they can say is no, mm -hmm. but you're not going to know until you ask. And, um, you know, being able to have the courage to step out and do something that you're passionate about, uh, do something that, that you love to do, not only can fulfill something in you, but like you said, it can show the other people coming behind you that you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. Mm -hmm. um, you may not have as great a success as somebody else, but you may. You just never know, and you have to take that first step. Mm -hmm. What's your advice to maybe a young woman who maybe listened to this you know, 10 years from now, um, or somebody that may listen to it tomorrow or, or whenever this goes live? Um, what's, your, what's your advice to those people who may be interested in running for office or running for city council or running for their city government or running for a national office? Um, what's your advice to them? Uh, my advice is that you can run for whatever office you want to, so long as you're a concerned citizen who genuinely cares about the world around you. Mm -hmm. So often we hear you know, questions like, well, could I win? I have tattoos. Or, you know, I, am I good enough? I don't have a four-year degree. Or, you know, I didn't go to law school. Or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are all these mental hurdles that I think we see because we've only seen one type of politician, right? Mm -hmm. There's only one type of, let's be honest, white male law school grad or doctor that has been, quote-unquote, running our country for the longest time. And I don't necessarily think that that's the only avenue to having great leadership. Great leadership is about bringing different types of people to the table so that we make the best decision for everybody involved. And so my advice is that if you care, which you should, because everything is political, literally everything, everything. <laughs> if you care and you genuinely want to see the best for your community or your school system or whatever 
office it is that you want to run for, then run and show people that you're willing to work hard and that you care. Some of the platforms that, that you're standing up for um, in your run, what do you want to see changed and, and bettered in our community? Yeah, well, I think that the first thing is, uh, this has been an interesting thing that I've been pondering for a little while now, post the primary, is this concept that um, a politician should have a personal platform. Mm -hmm. And I find that kind of odd, because the whole point of being a representative is to represent other people, Mm -hmm. not necessarily yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the things that drive me on a daily basis are not the things that are going to drive people to vote. For instance, I'm driven daily by equality. I'm driven daily by civil rights and race relations and like social issues that I think people in my age group are truly concerned about Mm -hmm. in the world that we live in. But that's not the job that I'm running for. So in talking to the people up and down Alabama's third district, uh, the people that I interact with every single day, the top three concerns uh, are healthcare. They're very concerned about healthcare. We have hospitals closing left and right. Mm Um, and you know, many people have very different views on how we should get from point A to point B. What I have to say is that no one should die because they're poor. So we've got to do, we've got to do something. We've got to find a solution. Uh, and, and obviously there are thousands of different ways that people think we should do that. But at the end of the day, nobody in this country should die because they don't have enough money to go to the hospital. Um, and then the second thing people care greatly about is their education system our education system. Um, and it's interesting yesterday I was listening to the radio and uh, the DJ was asking people to pick up extra school supplies so that teachers didn't have to come out of pocket. And I thought to myself, that is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard that we treat our schools in America. Like they're a charity case. Mm-hmm. It's the same as going like, Hey, can you buy an extra, uh, pack of paper to support Susan G. Komen? Like our kids aren't charity. We've got to do, better and be better and hold the people who are making those decisions accountable, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Our state legislators are the ones who are making decisions on Alabama's school system. Mm -hmm. Alabama spends $8,500 per kid to the nation's $12,500. So, you know, there's a reason we're 45th and below on -hmm. on the scale of 50 states, right? Um, And so people are very concerned about that. And I actually was very surprised to learn that the third thing people in this district care about is equality. It's still a very, very hot topic, and it's sad that it's still a hot topic so many years after. Well, uh, equality for, for the purposes of this campaign and what I've learned from people encompasses things like uh, um, gender parity in the workplace okay. and also race relations mm-hmm. and also the LGBTQ community. Those, mm-hmm. those three sort of categories are lumped into one when I say equality, but yeah, I mean, race relations is is still uh, a topic of conversation and one that if we don't keep having and keep pushing forward, it, it seems, based on the rhetoric that I hear across the country today, that we're going to regress. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just, that's not the, the America that I want to live in. Me either, yeah. Well, I've got one last question for you, and this kind of ties everything that we've kind of talked about uh, together. When you look at the end of your life when you're getting ready to leave this world and you look back on your family and your friends and people you worked with the community that you impacted what do you want them to remember you specifically by and what do you want that legacy to be well first and foremost i hope i have kids and grandkids um 
but I, I hope that they will always know me as someone who wasn't afraid to stand up for what I thought was right. And I think that we have examples of that in history for sure. Lots, lots of examples. But it's interesting when you, when you ask kids that maybe surround you or, or in our community, you know, who do they look up to that, that, they, that they see in their community? It's very rare that they have a whole lot of examples of what I would call like people who are, who are strong and who are not afraid to, to buck the system and, and go against the grain. And uh, I think that's important for people to see because otherwise we just become sort of a herd, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that my family and friends will, will see me as someone who exemplifies strength and courage and always was looking for a way to make the world a better place. Mallory, thank you again so much for you and your team's time today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Hey, this is your host, Tony Oravet of the Leadership Legacy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this past episode. It would mean the world to me if you would go and rate this podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. Show notes and information on today's guest are on leadershiplegacy.show.